0: How long have
1: we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody it's the wrestling life it is episode 202 it is june 20th 2019 i'm ethan and i'm liam liam we have so much to talk about this week and so many things we can't talk about let's begin with uh some sad news in passing uh lionheart guy perhaps most famous for having his neck broken by aj styles a few years ago and yeah. a bad styles clash uh passed away this week Here's that he uh, took his own life and that's always sad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's, it's a very sad situation. And, um, you can, you can see just the outpouring from, from really all, all, uh, uh British wrestlers, uh, you know, everyone from, from Page to Pete Dunne to Drew McIntyre. And I was, I was reading some, some accounts of, uh, specifically of British wrestlers and British wrestling fans and, how important he was at sort of bridging the gap between the Scottish wrestling scene and the British wrestling scene or the English <clears throat> wrestling scene <clears throat> and um well, he was a very important figure there and uh, a lot of people um so a lot of the people that you see nowadays on uh you know the WWE UK show or on the main roster or in NXT um were all uh either directly or indirectly uh inspired by him or or worked with him and I know, uh, specifically he and, uh, Lionheart and, uh, Noam Dar were, were very, very close. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's just a really rough time for, for anybody that knew him well. And, uh, or anybody that was impacted by him, anybody who was a fan of his or who, who loved, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that UK wrestling scene really, really was on fire and still is to an extent, but, you know, within the last five years, especially, and it seemed like he had, uh, he, everyone seemed, uh, like I said, everyone who was around that scene, Nikki Cross, uh, people like that, all had uh, stories or, or well wishes for him and, and good things to say. So, yeah, it's horribly tragic and, and, uh, and a real shame.
1: Well, the bulk of this show is going to be spent uh, breaking down WWE at uh, large boot, <laughs> which is taking place this weekend. Um, so let's just get some uh, news and notes out of the way here. New Japan is having a—they're <sighs> having a tour right now. That is just a house show tour, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, still doesn't stop it from ruining my life. A couple days a week, <laughs> it's, its like Google Google getting over jet lag, and they're like, generally the rule of thumb is it takes uh, about uh one day per time zone or two time zones uh thinking over jet lag so japan is 13 hours behind or i'm sorry ahead of uh the eastern time zone so just imagine a couple times a week flying back and forth to japan and trying to adjust to <laughs> <laughs> trying to, to adjust to time zones it's ridiculous anyway uh they are they announced their uh, g1 lineup this year and uh they're kicking off of course the g1 in dallas in a large building and uh, i guess the biggest news uh, coming out of that this week other than they're headlining that show with okada and tanahashi is the fact that john moxley is not on the show and i guess people were expecting that he would be i'm not sure why <laughs> uh but i guess his a e w contract probably does not permit him to work uh dates in north america, and so he's not on that show and everybody's all freaking out about it and
2: what uh, what would a e w like they're it's made it's been made very clear repeatedly they are not working together, and any deals that you know that overlap with each other you know for like for jericho or for moxley are their own thing so like what what would aew gain by lending out one of their biggest stars to a, a competitor which is what they are if they're running
1: North America I, I think people just are assuming that that they're not competitors <laughs> and that they're working together or if they should be working together I, I don't I don't understand the thought process of people that are upset at
2: yeah, not really. But uh, on the subject of, uh, of uh, Okada and Tanahashi uh, headlining this show, um, so I, uh, I tweeted about this last week. I bought tickets to All Out. Uh, I'm going to that show in Chicago. I've nice. never done a big travel for a wrestling show before, so I'm really excited. And had I known that Okada versus Tanahashi was going to be on this Dallas show, I very well may have gone to Dallas for this show instead Mm. uh, because that's like, you know, one of it's one of the, you know, the great in ring rivalries in the history of professional wrestling, certainly in modern professional wrestling. And you know being able to say you saw those two guys wrestle each other is kind of a, you know, that's a pretty big bucket list thing. Oh yeah. So, But because New Japan is New Japan, they just announced the card like two weeks before the show is on the air. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, when you're trying to fill a big building and you rely on those big buildings being filled on uh, fans being willing to travel and travel Mm -hmm. from out of state to your shows, maybe you need to start announcing like when the tickets go on sale, what people are going to watch on that show.
1: It's, it's a little bit mind boggling to me that I understand this is a Japanese company and the way they announce their lineups in Japan is they announce them at the last possible minute. I, like, I get it, but at the same time, you're no longer just a Japanese company. You are an international company and you are clearly trying to expand into this new market in North America. and. You're not um, running one market at a time, or t- taking over uh, one city at a, at a time. You are reliant on travelers, and right. it's a holiday weekend, and there's a lot of a lot of people that, like yourself, that might have been more willing to travel had they known. Oh, the biggest possible match that I could see is going to be on this show.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the first part. And it's like, oh, well, they don't, they, they, they didn't have the G1 lineups. Well, it's like, it's not like announcing, all you would have spoiled is that Okada and Tanahashi were in the same block. Like, even if you didn't announce any other match for the show, if you announced, if you, when these tickets went on sale at the end of April or whenever they went on sale and you just said, by the way, buy a ticket to the show, you're going to go get to see Okada versus Tanahashi live. And yeah. It's like that's all you had to announce you didn't have to announce the full blocks 3 months early obviously they couldn't have because they didn't have Kenta and Moxley and whoever under contract yet but <laughs> um, but yes they all they would have had to announce is Okada and Tanhashi they're both going to be in the same block of the G1 you don't even have to tell us which block it is just <laughs> say we're going to see that you're going to see that match on this show and it'll be part of the G1 tournament
1: it's very frustrating that they're trying to expand internationally and expand into the U S and they clearly don't understand the U S market. Um, <laughs> yeah. They don't have anybody there that does like Harold. What's his name is supposed to be this genius. And, mm. uh, he doesn't understand the first thing about doing wrestling business in the United States. And it's not like WWE where of course, you know, WrestleMania tickets go on sale five months ahead of time or whatever it is and do very well on the first day. It's like, you don't have that brand name cachet. You don't have 35 years of goodwill built up. um,
2: And you're not the only game in town as far as cool (laughs) indie wrestling anymore. Right. Not that AW is really indie when they have a, you know, a billionaire backing them, but you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Non WWE wrestling. Yeah. So, um, I hope that they are able to adapt and understand what they're doing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be nice. I bet. I bet it's going to be a good show. The show looks lineup looks great, and I will, I'm sure, enjoy watching it uh, on uh, on New Japan World. But yeah, like I said, maybe maybe this would have been the show that I decided to travel to if uh, if I had known what was on it.
1: All right, WWE Large Boot. <laughs> is this, uh, uh, stomping Grounds? I think I believe so. You've it's time to kick the, ass and take names. You've taken to calling it Large Boot, and that's good enough for me. It yes. large oh my goodness. Uh, this show is not doing well in the local market. They're offering <laughs> uh, two for 20 tickets. They did a... Uh, it appears the, non, uh, or the side of the, the arena where the hard camera is uh, is entirely... Uh, curtained off and uh, obviously they're doing ticket specials in the rest of the building to fill it so things have been better Uh, obviously this is a very cold product uh, based on television ratings and things like this but uh, they they clearly are curious as to why this show in particular was not doing well and they sent out a survey last week asking people uh, their level of interest uh, on the matches on stomping ground and why or why not. And I, I took the survey and I tried to give answers that were not, uh, wouldn't immediately uh, ping me as a quote unquote smart fan, unquote. And just tried to put in, in terms that they would understand why I'm not interested in this show. <laughs> and it's like, I, I like Seth. Seth is wrestling Baron Corbin. He just beat Baron Corbin. Why is Baron Corbin getting another championship match? And Becky's one of my favorites. But Becky beat Lacey fair and square the first time they wrestled. Why is Lacey getting another chance to wrestle Becky? Like, <laughs> These are just the two top matches. There's a lot that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this show. But uh, what's your uh, personal excitement level for large boot? <laughs>
2: It's uh, pretty low. I think Samoa and Joe and Ricochet will probably have a really good match if they have time. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of my excitement.
1: All right, let's run down this show. Uh, Tony Nice versus Akira Tozawa versus Drew Gulak for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Interesting. Tony Nice is the least charismatic man maybe in the company. It's, it's
2: so... Who did he wrestle? Oh, he wrestled Divari on the last one, right?
1: That's that Money good. in the Bank. Yes, that's what happened.
2: Yeah, that was I think the most boring match because even <laughs> if like if you catch those cruiserweight matches on the pre-shows, you know when when Buddy Murphy or Cedric or whoever was the champ, at least you're gonna, like you're gonna see some cool flips and and some crazy high spots and stuff. And it's like, man, they're just they're just having themselves a wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tony Nice, I didn't know. Like, he's, he was in that crew with like Trent Beretta and Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins that mm-hmm. was trained by Mikey Whipwreck, I guess, in, in New York. And then he was just kind of around for a long time before he got the call to be part of 205 Live. Yeah. Or at he was in the Cruiserweight show first.
1: Tiny fella. Tiny fella. Yeah. No charisma. Yes, not, sure he's not a, nice a good man. not a good combo. No, sure, he's a nice man. Yeah. Daniel Bryan and Rowan are wrestling heavy machinery for the SmackDown tag titles. Daniel Bryan wrestled Seth Rollins this week on Raw. They faked a bait and switch and actually just delivered the match. What the <laughs> hell was What the hell was that? That's some galaxy brain
2: uh, Russo book in there. We wanted you to think we were screwing you over, but then we didn't.
1: It's really quite strange.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It was just funny because all of a sudden, at the like on Twitter, I saw like an hour before the show, and then all throughout the show, they keep hyping up Seth Rollins never beaten Daniel Bryan. Seth Rollins never beaten Daniel Bryan. And I'm like, are they doing all this just so Seth can beat him in like a nine minute match at the end of the show? The answer is yes. That's what they did. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know what the point of that was. I was, I mean, with, with the wild card rule, we have people from other brands challenging for, you know, the other brands titles. So I was like, Oh, maybe they're setting up for like after this show, Seth and Brian are going to work together, but they weren't, they just had Seth beat him with curb stomp. And uh, yeah. And then Seth got beat up by Baron, Baron Corbin. I will say for whatever you think of what they did where they had Seth beat all Beat up all of the potential refs with a chair. People were into it. Like the live crowds responded to it. So maybe I don't know. People like seeing, you know, violence. I guess. <laughs>
1: I I felt the angle was silly, but um, I had a point, and I don't remember what it is now. Uh, that Oh, the point was that they left. They left. Uh, Monday night, the big hook for tuning into Monday Night Raw this week was Baron Corbin's going to pick his guest referee, and then the right. last the last words as the show went off the air were Corey Graves asking, "Who's going to be the special referee? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you idiots! You tell me. <laughs> I turned this show on to find that out.
2: <laughs> How many weeks have they sit told us? Mostly, it's been Brock related." <laughs> but, like, over the last two years, have they just promised, you know, this week this thing is going to happen for sure, and then just not delivered it?
1: It, it? it happens frequently. Like, and it's really happened frequently in the last six weeks. Yeah, and, I mean,
2: I I, I don't – it's beyond parody trying to guess why viewership is down. But I wonder if maybe uh, promising people stuff <laughs> – and then never delivering on it maybe makes people not want to tune in because even if they see a commercial or read a tweet about what's on the show they're like, "Mm, they probably won't actually do that, so I don't care (laughs) or I'll just watch the YouTube clips or whatever
1: sure Um, back to large boot, Roman Reigns is wrestling Drew McIntyre Mr. Excitement Drew (laughs) McIntyre that sounds uh, that sounds dull do you think they'll top their WrestleMania match that I don't remember?
2: I don't remember that match either. You were in the building and you don't remember it.
1: Yeah, I just remember being kind of cold.
2: <laughs> yeah, I uh, look uh, until like two weeks ago, I didn't remember that they even had a WrestleMania match or feud, right. and uh, and then Michael Cole told told me that this was another chapter in a bitter rivalry, <laughs> and I was like, "What is he talking about?" And then I looked it up, and hey, by golly. These guys wrestled at WrestleMania like two months ago.
1: Um,
2: I thought what they did with Roman on Monday was really good. Like one of the better things they've done with him as far as making him look like a, you know, a badass and a killer. And what a a surprise people cheered. People were cheering very loudly for Roman Reigns at the end of the segment after he beat everybody's
1: ass and speared Shane McMahon. (laughs) What, what a great way to end the feud. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we even having the match now?
2: <laughs> well, the feud's now with Drew, right? Right. So right. He's got to pin Drew's
1: shoulder to the mat. Then it'll be over. Yeah. Uh, Biggie and Xavier are wrestling Kevin Owens and Sam Zayn. booked a match this week on SmackDown just to make sure that they could bury both Kevin and Sam at the same <laughs> time.
2: So back-to-back nights, they did two out of three fall tag matches. Like, they're running Arena Mexico or
1: something. They're lazy and creatively bankrupt?
2: I guess so. But And neither night it made, did it make any sense to me why they did it. Because on Raw, they did it, and they had the New Day beat... I think they pinned Zayn once, and then they pinned Baron Corbin to win the second fall, who is challenging for... Not, not even challenging for Kofi's title, challenging for Seth's title. And then on this show, yes, they had uh, Seth and Kofi uh, pin both Sam and Kevin. So not really sure what that was all about other than to, yes, potentially just we just want to beat those guys as much as possible whenever we can.
1: Cool. Well, maybe they should get their hands raised here against the New Day. Uh, Yeah,
2: and I'm sure that's the logic, right? It's like, well, we fed them to the big stars, and now we'll we'll rebuild them by letting them – uh, beat Xavier Woods in a tag team match.
1: Sure. Why not? Uh, Samoan Joseph versus Ricochet after uh, the United States Championship, a title that Joe won when Rey Mysterio handed it to him. Um, Ricochet. And Joe, as a longtime
2: WWF fan slash E fan, there was a storyline, what was it, like 88, where Andre tried to hand the belt to Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Yes, he beat and beat Hulk and, and then President Jack Tunney held the belt up, vacated the belt, because you can't just hand the belt to somebody? Yes. Where, where's our President Jack Tunney today? He's dead. I mean, I didn't mean him literally. I meant, like, where's the guy oh. to come out and remind people of these rules?
1: Oh, uh, we have four heel authority figures.
2: Right, right. Okay. We just passed, like, the six-month anniversary of, uh, of that promo on Raw, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there. As we dis, as we broke down last week, I actually do think they're on the right track. <laughs> um, and except, what the heck? What's that? Thunder. Oh, okay. Thunder. Yeah. Uh, Apologies and except, if this comes through on
2: the audio, folks, but it's raining very hard at my house right now.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, they're actually on the right track. They've just done so much damage to their brand <laughs> that. Uh, it doesn't matter, but yes. <laughs> anyway, are you excited for Joe and Ricochet?
2: Yeah, I think it'll be really good. Uh, give them some time.
1: Joe's a killer.
2: Yeah, Ricochet is uh, Ricochet is awesome, and uh, Joe's a killer, and they'll they'll they will work well together. I would bet.
1: Bailey defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Raw wrestler Alexa Bliss.
2: the lord is upset that they're (laughs) tainting the brand split this way
1: they're running back bailey and bliss the few that killed bailey's career the first time yes
2: now to be fair in like covert ways they're kind of mentioning that and they're kind of trying to portray this as like bailey's big redemption arc where she's gonna finally beat all the people, well, I mean, really, it was just the Alexa thing because they had her beat Charlotte plenty. It was just, it was mostly just Alexa that, uh, that, that was really the feud that did her in. Yeah. But, uh, so I, they're kind of building this up as like this big potential redemption for Bailey. But, uh, you know, Alexa will probably win the belt clean. So,
1: <laughs> Alexa's in really good shape. She's someone that um, you, you watch them on television every week and uh, her weight would fluctuate and must be horrible being old and being on television every week. But she's like consistently been in very good shape.
2: Huh, good for her.
1: It's awkward now.
2: It is, a little bit.
1: All right. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match for the WWE Championship. <laughs> because the heel got screwed the first time they wrestled, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the babyface's manager interfered and cost the heel <laughs> the match. Mm-hmm. So now the heel has demanded a fair fight, and it was granted. Th- that right,
2: right It wasn't even just like the babyface manager distracted the heel, or like the you know the heel distracted himself and he's an idiot. No, <laughs> the babyface manager uh, attacked the heel. And allowed allowed his guy to pick up the win. So now the heel demanded a cage match to uh, get get a fair fight.
1: Do you think your boy Dolph does it? Pulls it off? Wins the title? No, no I think he's going to
2: lose clean, and then he'll hopefully be off TV for another six months or forever, whichever is you know whichever's easier.
1: He's really. Getting on my nerves on I, this run.
2: I missed the first ten minutes of SmackDown, but uh, the reviews did not seem to be kind for his big go home promo on SmackDown this week.
1: He's not a good promo. Yeah, he never really has been. No, I feel like he
2: fooled people into thinking he was for a little bit. He did um, because he threw in like cute, like you know, insider references and stuff. Huh? Put hashtag heel on his trunks but he's like a cool heel, you know, (laughs) he's a cool heel. Sure. Dumb Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. No, I think, I think Kofi's going to win and, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll just never see Dolph Ziggler again.
0: That'll
1: be all right. Seth Rollins defending the universal title against Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin gets, gets to choose his special guest referee for the match. Not interested.
2: (laughs) Did they... You know, like, for years, they used to do the Cyber Sunday or Taboo Tuesday show. And they were, like... And they stopped because nobody bought those shows. Yeah. Because nobody likes to buy or watch shows where they don't know what's going to happen. And they don't, like... And they think they may not get what they're interested in seeing. Right. Particularly
1: when you do a lot of bait
2: and switches. Right when they have no faith that the surprise will be a good one. Right. Um, right. yeah, that's this is what happens.
1: You can there's a way to do it. Uh, where you can but there, it's not to it's not like a mystery person. It's like you have to do some interesting uh, and good create good creative like in the Ryback CM Punk match where they have those two wrestle and Ryback hadn't lost and Punk was had been champion for a year. <laughs> and right. And you and it was and had a, a ha- match with The Rock on the horizon. Right. And it was a ma- and they had a hell in a cell match where you knew they had to do a finish. And it's like, and they put that on pay-per-view and it did really well. And you're like, oh, well, that's because they actually accidentally <laughs> <laughs>
2: they booked themselves into the <laughs> corner
1: of having to actually book a finish. Right, and having having two two characters that were over, <laughs>
0: like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> oh.
2: Well, we don't have to worry about that with this
1: show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
1: I don't see Seth's run ending anytime soon. I assume Brock's going to beat him at some point, <laughs> and that'll just kill him dead. By the way,
2: probably. I just if 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 as Paul Heyman uh, hinted at last week, Brock is a special ref. I just hope he wears that, that sweet uh, striped tank top that Sid wore at that one SummerSlam. Yeah.
1: I don't want uh, him in a regular ref shirt. You know, Sid, Sid was over, man. <laughs> That's all I got to say. He was. I, I told you this off the air, but I've been watching a bunch of old wrestling lately, and I saw, obviously, Sid teamed with Danny Spivey as the skyscrapers in WCW. Sure. And they were over as like this monster tag team, and um, I was curious like why Danny Spivey never had a WWF run. And then it's like, oh well, he did as Waylon Mercy or whatever, but he was already past his peak at that point. He's already hurt. And I was watching something from the eighties uh, the other week, and I saw Danny Spivey as a like blonde-haired babyface that they were comparing to Hulk Hogan, uh, teaming with Mike Rotundo as the uh, US the US Express Part Two after Barry Windham had left the company. Uh-huh. And <laughs> like, ah, oh, actually, they did. They did put. Him, they did have him in the eighties, and they were even outright comparing him to Hogan. I just wonder what happened to Danny Spivey And like, what year was that? Eighty-six. So this is pre-Tom McGee then.
2: Yeah, because that would be hilarious if like they let Spivey go because they got Tom because Tom <laughs> McGee got a, a job. Right. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't think that timeline quite works out. But, yeah, it, it is interesting with the uh, yeah, – yeah, and if they weren't going to make him a baby face, you'd think they would have, you know, uglied him up a little bit and then give
1: him to Hogan to beat. Right. Yeah, I don't understand why the Danny Spivey thing didn't work out the first time. If you know, hit me up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, one, no one knows. So it.
2: much more interesting than yeah. <laughs> talking about Baron Corbin.
1: Oh, a million percent. All right, and then the uh, the true main event of this show, uh, Becky Lynch against the sassy Southern Belle. Bernie Evans. Sanders? Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we had a discussion where you said that, like, in order to be a more successful candidate this time around, Bernie Sanders, like, needs to brand himself. <laughs> and I jokingly said, as the sub- as the sassy Southern <laughs> Belle. And then, like, I got uh, – t- I <laughs> accidentally signed up for, like, 33 magazines one time. So I get Time magazines delivered, delivered every week. And uh, like the cover story in Time two weeks ago was, we need to build a better Bernie. And I'm like, they, they think that too. The Sassy <laughs> Southern Bell. It's right in front of you. Anyway. Genius. Becky Lynch is wrestling Bernie Sanders. Uh, <laughs> now I'm watching. I thought yeah. Becky had a really good promo on Monday. Uh,
2: I'm pretty sure I saw it. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh yeah, I do remember it because there's the the cool line where Lacey talked about how she was, where Becky was in a movie called The Marine, but Lacey actually was a Marine. And I was like, (laughs) that's a weird line to have a heel say. But (laughs) no, I thought overall, like, I don't, I mean, Lacey's promos are what she's best at. I think by far the character, like it's getting there and there, and she does get some, she's not super mega over. It's not like she's you know, you know, people aren't rioting when she wins matches or anything, but, but she's getting a reaction. It's just once the bell
1: rings, it's it's pretty rough. <laughs> she 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 shouldn't be in the spot that she's in. It's not her fault. No. And uh, okay, so since she's been on the main roster, I've seen her
2: have one serviceable match, which was with Bailey on SmackDown. So maybe we need to put her on the road with Bailey or somebody of equal skill for about 6 months and in the meantime while she's working 15 minutes on the road she works very short matches or not at all on television until you think she's ready and then and then we put her on TV or you know <laughs> we could figure out what exactly it is that NXT is supposed to be doing with these people because it sure feels like a lot of the the non former indie stars that get called up are uh, in some way or another generally not ready for prime time when they first get here, get up to the main roster.
1: I'm curious. Did you, did you watch any of that uh, scouting combine thing that they did on the network?
2: I saw some clips on Twitter, but I didn't, I didn't watch it. Uh, I didn't right. watch much of it
1: now. I've, I've watched some bits and pieces of it and like maybe a couple hours. They had like six hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had it on in the background. They got a lot of really good athletes there. But obviously, I think maybe the emphasis is on what you can do in a gym versus what you can do in a wrestling ring. Hmm. <laughs> and I wonder how much how much of that is because, uh, for liability reasons, we don't want people taking bumps. You know, I mean, I know they have them like wear wear helmets and bumping on crash pads and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It just seems like there's a much greater emphasis down there on being really good athletes than on being good wrestlers.
2: Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. And I wonder if that's as as you said, that that makes sense. That's a potential reason why certain people come up from NXT and are thrown onto live television and look like maybe they've never had a professional wrestling match before. <laughs>
1: like, uh, what's her name? Tayara Conti or whoever the, the Brazilian girl is that looks like Renee and... I was Renee's Renee's daughter? Yeah, Renee's daughter. She's like this freak athlete. She's like, can long jump and uh, is like super agile. She's like winning all these competitions at the scouting combine. And it's like, then you see her match, it's like, ah, she's fine. But like, She's been there for like three years now. Like, what are, right. are they working on? <laughs> She clearly has the raw talent, is what I'm saying, because she's this freak athlete. So, right. why is so, she so cultivation
2: bad? of talent, <laughs> development of talent is the <laughs> issue, much like it was for the Baltimore Orioles for several years.
1: Right. You got Wild the, card rule. You got the people there, though. Like, you got Shawn Michaels there. <laughs> like,
2: I think he's too busy uh, laying out Shawn Michaels' tribute matches uh, <laughs> for Johnny Gargano and the Velveteen Dream to worry about teaching anybody fundamentals. Let's see.
1: Instead, they left that to the A Train.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. A <laughs> Train and Norman Smiley got this covered. <laughs> Sean, you take the half. You take a half
1: day today, Sean. Tremendous. All right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe at some point they're gonna they're gonna change one of these babyface champions, but I don't see it being on this show. Yeah, I
2: don't. Yeah, I mean Bailey seems like the the one in most danger if i were uh, if i were a betting man but yeah it doesn't really feel like uh again like we've said before uh, especially you have said um like that's right the champions are certainly not the problem that's arguably the you know the best stuff they're doing is building building up heroes building up your strong baby faces it's just about having interesting opponents <laughs> lined up for these people and right. that's where they're failing right now so
1: right so even just like look at the undercard on this show, who are the the next people being built up? I mean, like I guess if Drew beats Roman, maybe Drew is a a contender next. I don't know. Yeah,
2: but is Roman going to lose twice in two weeks?
1: Um, I, I mean, I don't I don't think so. But I'm just saying, like, even when you're when you're putting a card together, sure. Like, why aren't, nah, why, aren't nah, they, why aren't Why aren't they thinking about that? And why aren't they getting two people ready on the show? Instead of having you know a cruiserweight title match, no one cares about.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm sure like <laughs> oh maybe maybe they think they are with Owens like maybe they th- maybe he'll get like a really decisive pinfall win over one of the new get, new day guys and that'll they feel like that'll rehab him enough to go with Kofi. But yeah, that's uh, they don't seem to have anybody really ready. They they seem to be holding off doing the the Charlotte Bailey rematch for now. I don't know if they're saving that for SummerSlam or. Or what? But doesn't really seem like they have anyone built for her, or for or for Becky either. I mean, there's there's people, there's people just kind of hanging around. Like they did that backstage segment, and it's like Natalia and Naomi were on television for the first time in like six weeks, and I'm like, oh, look at them, look at them showing up. <laughs> um, you got you got Sarah Logan and uh, Dana Brooke busted. <laughs> did you see Dana Brooke get all busted open on Superstars or whatever this week?
1: I saw the aftermath. I didn't see the. The shot itself.
2: Yeah, I didn't see any footage of actually what happened. I just, what a, what are these people doing? It's main event.
1: <laughs> lay it in.
2: I guess so. Um, lay, it, lay it, in, it, kid. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, it, you would think that if assume, let's assume uh, Seth and Kofi both win their matches clean on this show. Let's say all. Let's be optimistic. Say all four. Uh, babyface champions win their matches clean here. Do any of them have even like you said? Maybe you could go to Drew, or, uh, I mean, yeah. Other than that, there's not there's not a lot. Or unless they're going, they're going to Brock early with Seth, and that's that'll somehow play out at at this show. But yeah, it's it would be nice. It would be nice to see them try a little bit.
1: Yeah, I would. Um, You remember the uh, uh, Hall of Fame where Kevin Von Erich called the new inexplicably called the new day the new gay? Yeah,
2: I almost did that
1: like two minutes ago. Yeah, that's what brought it to mind. (laughs) And he he appeared to be pilled out of his mind. Oh yeah,
2: his sons work for what is it MLW now?
1: Yeah, yeah. (sighs) Well, good times. What could go wrong? Good times. Let's get some more Von Eriks in the wrestling business. That's, you know, it's so Look, sad. It's
2: such a weird, sad story. WWE and... didn't want Lacey
1: Von Erich. Mm-hmm.
2: A tall, how... attractive blonde woman.
1: Yes, that tells you how
2: bad it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, once again, I feel I've said too much. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Until uh, next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back soon with more stories from The Wrestling Life. Goodbye.
0: I'd be rich. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel, For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life
1: Both the leading Democratic candidate for president and the sitting president have promised to cure cancer.
2: Correct. It's so stupid. <sighs> yeah, this is. It's just it's frustrating because this is the type of stuff that gives uh, conservative pundits ammunition. Mm-hmm. Because yes, when Trump says really dumb, outlandish things like this, every network will talk about it for twenty-four hours. But when Biden says it, it either is a blip. Or it's not even brought up that it's strange, or they immediately play damage control by bringing up that his son died of cancer, and so well, you can't you can't knock on him for for saying something so silly because you know it's just it's just because he's you know because of his son, and um, regardless, how is,
1: that, how is that an excuse? Uh,
2: I don't know, but it's one I've seen used so. Um, And then there's the the people like, oh, it's, you know, there's, there's no problem with lofty goals. You just have to, uh, you know, whether or not he can follow through. It's like, he didn't say like, I'm going to reallocate like some defense spending and put it into like federal (laughs) cancer research. He literally said, we're going to cure cancer. (laughs) So he said, I promise when I'm president, we're going to cure cancer. That's a thing he said. Like, it's it's frustrating, and like I said, it gives ammo to the other side, and it helps feed into the narrative of uh, you know the the biased media. So, it's just bad and frustrating all around on many fronts.
1: It certainly is that. When do the uh, when did the Democratic debates start? I think one is soon. I think it's. I think I've seen ads on MSNBC for one. Yeah, they, they
2: released the uh, the, the lineups because Warren's by herself with all the, the kids' table. <laughs> and then Biden and Bernie and I think Buttigieg are all on the same one because there's you know, 46 they... people running.
1: Yeah. Why are they doing uh, Warren dirty like that? Well...
2: I don't know. I guess that they, I think they claimed it was like a random draw or something, but (laughs) in fact, they almost guarantee that it was because I remember like there was an article about like the probabilities of, of each potential matchup. And it's like, well, this could be good for Bernie because he gets to go after Biden directly and on the other hand it could be good for warren cuz she does she's the biggest star on that stage by a pretty wide margin as far as people that could actually you know conceivably win based on where they are in the polling so it could be a good night for her just in the amount of screen time she's going to get but yeah i don't know we'll see
1: this field does not inspire me
2: <laughs> well um yeah i don't it's a lot of there's a lot of people who had very different positions on things like universal health care and uh, you know, defense spending, minimum wage, things like that about three years ago. And then they went th- and then they went through a big life change, and that life change was they might get to- they want to try to be president. <laughs> I see. It's like, well, once I figured out that I wanted to be the president, then I started to think maybe I should agree with these things that are wildly and bipartisanly popular I try to keep on keeping on